Hey, John. Hey, Alex. You don't know I hate. What's that? Do you know what I hate? What's that? I just keep picturing you with that sailor. Popeye? <laughs> oh, yeah, anyway, we watched Eyes Wide Shut. Strangers in the night, exchanging glances, wondering in the night, what were the chances we'd be sharing love before the night was through? Uh, so, yeah, Eyes Wide Shut, uh, our, our first Kubrick. Yes. John, congratulations, our first Kubrick. Thank you, we did it. I want to give you some background here mm. about me. When I was in high school... I was the type of person to own a Clockwork Orange T-shirt. I was, uh, I was, I was absolutely fucking obsessed with Kubrick. I thought he was uh, just the genius among genius. I had this weird thing going for a while. It's probably not all that uh, uh, strange, but yes. So I watched uh, so many of his movies just over and over again to the point of of irritating the shit out of my friends. Mm-hmm. And this was the only movie I'd seen his previous films uh, in the theater, but this was the first time I've had a chance to see a, a Kubrick in the you know. With my own eyeballs. It, this coming out in what, 99? Uh, 99, yeah. Yeah, so I was 19. So uh, I think the last movie that came out, I was three. So I don't think my parents were taking me to Full Metal Jacket. No, no, uh, I doubt it. So uh, I went to see this in the theater. I, I'm not saying I didn't like it. Uh-huh. But I was pretty let down by this one. It was very strange. Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't feel very Kubricky. And going back now, watching it this many years later, I've seen it other times in between, mm-hmm. but boy, this movie feels very Kubricky. Oh, absolutely. Which is so yeah. weird to kind of go around, because back when I was like a huge Kubrick fan, this didn't feel Kubricky to me. Yeah. Now that I'm like kind of distanced from it, I'm like, oh yeah, this is so fucking him. Uh-huh. Yeah. I know. And it's and it's funny, because I remember not having seen it at the time. This is my first time watching it. I remember all the the fervor and then the negative reaction to it, because it was billed really heavily as like, basically... You're going to watch Kidman and Cruz fuck. Hey, everybody. And that, you know, obviously does not happen and is not really the point of the movie. But that's how they build it. And they were such a celebrity star couple, too. And then when it wasn't as good as people thought it was going to be or it wasn't what people thought it was going to be, then it became this weird blame game of, like, they ruined it. Their star power ruined this movie. Or there's since he died like days after they finished the final cut, like, well, Hollywood ruined it or there's a secret cabal. Scientology stepped in and changed some things. Kubrick is is infamous for, for keep editing his films. Like apparently yes. like 2001, at some point in the 90s, uh, somebody was at his house and he, they caught him at an editing bay. Mm-hmm. Editing 2001, a movie yeah. from nearly 30 years previous. Yep. So he is just one of those people. And I wonder whether, because it's not that I dislike this movie. I actually quite enjoyed it. But I wonder if, him dying when he did and not getting those last little tweaks in moved this movie from being a, eh, you know, this is pretty good. And to this could have been like a Kubrick masterpiece. Cause the thing that the things that threw me off about this one, I feel like the score wasn't done right. And not just making fun of the, the kind of that weird discordant piano thing, but mm-hmm. like there was that weird rock song in that one part where they're fucking, they're listening to like some. Well, that apparently the, the lore behind that anyway, is that like Nicole Kidman was like, I would like to listen to something to help me feel sexy on set. And Kubrick actually liked it. Yeah. That doesn't work uh, at all. And um, I think some of the editing doesn't feel quite done. Oh, see, I see. I would disagree. I think this is, I think it's great. Uh, I think, I mean, I agree with you that I think if Kubrick was left to be Kubrick about it, 
he would have changed some things. Yeah. Uh, but I think this, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, there was just a couple, like, there was a couple, I liked, I mean, we'll get into it. I don't want to do too many things out of order and just front load. But, like, there was just some of the kind of editing choices of, like, basically how many times they went back to the him walking on the streets thing. Mm. It just feels like they were digging into a well the way there's nothing there a couple times where it's just... It, not that they, not that it like really sucked, but it was just kind of like, oh, this again. It just, it, I, as as the audience may well know, write stories, uh, and I find myself when struggling to know what's going to happen next, mm-hmm. I'll just have the character go back somewhere, mm-hmm. like, oh, well, that's when they go back to the house, or that's when they go back to the rocket ship, or whatever, because I write a lot of rocket ship stories. Right. It seemed like this was Elon during this, Musk fan. Yeah, dur- dur- yeah, and then he held me in his arms and said, "Call me Tesla." <laughs> Thrust his thrust his rocket into me, the BFG, and then, and then called me a pedophile. Yes, <laughs> oh, <laughs> memories. But um, it seems like they just kept going back to the him dramatically wandering thing as a I don't really know what to do next. Yeah, I I don't that'll work for me uh, again. Yeah. Not frontloader, but just like him, just sort of being lost and aimless in his aimless like jealousy stomp. I guess I'll call it that. Yeah, I. It's not that I disliked it. I just thought they did it too many times. It just it was like, oh, God. this And it wasn't like I was feel, like in a rush. Like, mm-hmm. I enjoy it. I like I like the way Kubrick makes a movie. Yeah. But it was just kind of like, I just wish they did something. Like, instead of him stomping around, like, just brood. Instead of stomping around and then going into a cafe to just avoid. Brood in the dark until the bat signal shows up. Okay, fine. No, seriously. <laughs> anything. G- go to a different friend's house. Uh, sit at a bar like just it, some other just don't walk someplace and i don't need another cab uh-huh. like it's just it's just so much cab so yeah much i don't know it all worked and uh, uh without without getting too much into the plot i think it's that's i think that is the plot most of but the that's plot, but i mean that's that's part of it is is him everything with tom cruise is transactional in this movie any interaction he has with someone else is transactional. Yeah. his first line is where's my wallet uh which i noticed the second time through is that that's all he does. No, it's it's I, it's another part of that. God, I I'm gonna sound like. Let me just. We're, we're not gonna it. we're not gonna not sound like assholes in this. So yeah, I, well I just be let pretentious me, let me establish, as you want to be with it. I wasn't trying to avoid being pretentious. I was trying to avoid sounding like I hate this movie. I'm gonna point out flaws in this because it it bothers me that they're there. We 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 talk about this a lot. There, the the times the flaws annoy you the most is where a movie's like, mm-hmm. this movie could have been fucking amazing and it's and it is and it and it's just really good uh-huh you know what i'm saying like it could okay. have been like oh my god this movie's mm-hmm. great and it's just yeah that movie's really good where it's just like sure it, sure it, it almost sucks that it like if this wasn't kubrick i'd be like wow this is one of my favorite movies ever like this thing's fucking great right. but, but um if Zack snyder somehow whipped this out if Zack Snyder, the friend of the show, David Ayers, yeah, he would win me over because I'm not writing that guy off. Maybe he's got something in it. But God, I can't imagine a David Ayers eyes wide shut. That'd be fucking hilarious. But um, I thought some of the ham handed things in here were a little hammy. Like, <laughs> hey, I get, let's introduce Nicole Kidman naked. Let's introduce the Doctor money. Like, there's there's some stuff where it's just like, do you get the fucking? Things? Well, yeah, but I mean, like, but it's done once, and then that's it. If it was, if it was, no, but every scene with him is. Here, have some cash. Keep yeah. the tip. Here, have to, like it's, he's an empty person. I know, but it's just I maybe show it another way. Like, and it's just it's just hey, look, she's tits. Hey, look, he's money. But I think, but that's the only the only time you you really see her other than like the I don't remember if she's nude in the in the mirror scene, but whatever. But you see her like getting dressed in the beginning, and then you see her on the toilet. It's immediately just like undercut with that. Yeah. So I think I think they did a, a pretty good job with that. No, I but just, I, I see yeah. what you're saying. But I I think it was. I'm I'm okay with how it was handled. Yeah, I just I thought it was a little because there's some like 
parts that I like about the movie, I think it just kind of like undercuts it. So one of the things I like about this is, um, and weirdly enough, I'm going to reference George Lucas on this episode. Sure. Why wouldn't George, you? Well, George Lucas, uh, you know, did the whole uh, hero's journey, the Joseph Campbell thing. And mm-hmm. like the whole idea of that is that myth rhymes with itself. Like the journey up the mountain is the same journey down the mountain in reverse. Uh-huh. And he does that in this movie a lot where like shots are like kind of parroting each other. Like the first, this like the orgy is a parody of the first party. It's right, like this yeah. kind of rhyming thing. And he does it a lot and he does it kind of expertly. And as we go through, I have it all like nodded out. But like the way that like the guy tries to pick her up is the way that he tries to pick, like the way that um, the Hungarian guy tries Sandor to pick up. Sandor Savos. Yes, tries yes. to pick up Nicole Kidman. That guy's just the smoothest. He's I'd, the great. I'd fuck him. So uh, that guy and... And going back to early John and Alex hate stuff, um, boy, that guy is smooth as shit. Like, that is an attractive man. Oh, my man. God. And I have no problem with his teeth. Well, apparently, oh, my God. No Tom, oh, God. No Tom Cruise's teeth. I this might be the me. perfect guy for you. Yeah. Like, this this checks all those boxes. Uh, but, yeah, apparently his whole thing, like, his drinking her drink or whatever is, is and then bringing up Ovid is like that's a, that's in that book. When he, oh, he mentions true? the, I forget what he, what he, what the, what the Ovid book is but it's basically about like rules on how to how to seduce people and no how to bang chicks and whatever that's also like i i obviously that's what he was doing mm-hmm. but i didn't realize he was like directly oh yeah. that's awesome so well i suppose we can we can kind of get into a little bit where uh tom cruise and nicole kidman well they're going to a party and the party is, is thrown by uh uh victor ziegler Played yes. by a, a Sidney Pollock director, uh, Sidney Pollock, which is funny. Like, there's a few directors in this movie. The uh, Nick Nightingale, the piano player, yeah. he's a director uh, and writer. Todd Field, he almost won uh, an Oscar for Little Children, and uh, huh. was the voice of Old Drippy in Aquatine Hunger Force. Oh wow! Mm. What do you? How do you feel about uh, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman in this? I like them in this, and I'm not a big fan normally. Yeah, uh, of him, I've seen her in a few things that I've liked, but him is always like it's Tom Cruise. Yeah, really on the opposite. I, I like him more than her for mm. the most part. Like when he tries, like I like Magnolia mm-hmm. or like the times where he does that, like, oh, I'm actually going to try to be an actor born on the 4th of yeah. July, that sort of thing. I like him. But her accent took me out of it because mm. I don't know what she was going for. Like she she's what, Australian or something? She's Australian, yeah. And it's not like, I, I don't think it's that she was doing, a, I mean, maybe she was doing a bad American accent, but I feel like maybe she was doing a bad, like... Like Brooklyn accent, like I don't know what it was, but like mm-hmm. it didn't sound like human speech. No, it's it's one of those things. Like I can't stand Ewan McGregor's American accent. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. I just hate it, and I don't know why. I think hers is the same way. And, sure, and but I, our first time we hear her speak really is talking to the Hungarian guy, and she's drunk. Yeah, so they're at this party. They get separated, uh, and Tom Cruise is talking to these two models that he's flirting heavily with. Yes, and she is waiting by the bar. Well, Tom Cruise recognizes the piano player as a guy he went to med school with. And he's like, I'm going to go try to talk to him. Nicole Kidman's like, I'll meet you by the bar. While she's waiting by the bar, she meets this guy, Sandor Savost, who's Hungarian. That's how he introduces himself, yeah. which I very much enjoyed. And so and it's like- she, And she says, I'm I'm Alice. I'm American. American. It's this weird, it's, it's, it's a two-pronged thing where it's like she's drunk, but she's also- like the first thing I thought of was there's a Saturday Night Live sketch, I think with Sharon Stone, where everyone that's talking to her just turns into an idiot because she's so pretty, where there's like, I, I got a pencil. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like it's some of that too, where she is so taken back by this guy's like, why hello? Because clearly her and her husband, as we learn, have this sort of strained relationship in some way. And this guy is 
handsome as hell, suave as hell, and is just spitting mad game. Yeah, as the Hungarians was, say. He was he was uh, just just Eastern European game yeah. throwing. But he uh, like us. so he's he's really suave. And so I think it's this. I'm drunk, but I'm also being very like stupid drunk and yeah but like i've seen something like that happen so i think it was it's really weird and, and almost over the top what exactly shortly later where she's she's stoned and it's like what is what's happening with your voice like why couldn't she just be australian see i don't he know could just be married to an F- Austra- fair enough <laughs> i mean that's fair enough i i guess i did it never bothered me it never stuck out to me yep the guy that's party it is i, I can't remember his name uh victor ziegler victor ziegler uh calls Tom Cruise up to his room because a prostitute that he's having sex with uh, has has overdosed. Yes. On I don't know uh, snow things, snow snow Christmas balls. Hey, it's heroin yeah. and coke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mandy, the the prostitute, has uh, has OD'd, and there's no indication of whether this was after the fact, during the fact, or before the fact. Mm. Uh, but. Sydney Sydney Pollock is putting his pants back on, and Tom Cruise show up, shows up, and he's like, "Yeah, this lady OD'd and and fix her up." And then Tom Cruise is like, "You know, you gotta you gotta stop doing this. This is a, a dead end road for you." Sydney Pollock's like, "Hey, thank you, but let's uh, maybe shut the fuck up about this." Yeah, yeah. And all the while, he is he is before that he has been flirting with these two women, uh, th- those two models, yeah, who who are leading him to where the rainbow ends. Because they're, they're leading him somewhere. It's like, where are we going? And they say, we're going where the rainbow ends. And then a, a one of the Victor Ziegler's people is like, uh, excuse me a moment. Yeah. Will you come this way? Now, what did that mean? Good question. Because the rainbow symbology happens a few times. And I don't know if it's supposed to just be fantasy in general. Because the the costume store is rainbow costumes. Yeah, yeah under the rainbow, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm not entirely clear, but yeah. uh, that that's that's one read of it. Well, also he's they're in the village a lot. I, I, it sounds like I'm kidding here, but I mean that is the symbol for LGBT. Right. Well, yeah. Back then LGBT, but um, I don't even think they had a T back then. But uh, yeah. uh, I wonder if there's like part of that because I also noticed it was this is a poignantly hetero movie, mm. which is it's just weird going to a giant rich person orgy. I think there's two dudes making out at one point, and I guess mm. there's you know the the the, the kind of lesbianic you know sapphic stuff but like it's but the sapphic stuff like, is very male gazing yeah it's performance yeah. it's yeah. not which is odd in a kind of orgiastic sense especially with with Kubrick because he's I, I feel like he's Mr. Not, orgy no I just yeah. feel like he's not so close-minded so like I think that's kind of a I don't know if that's a point that he was making or there's there's a thematic concern you there could, you, you could know? argue that certainly in terms of uh, again if you're arguing structures of power of it being this sort of male oriented, yeah, that's what I mean because it's yeah. like this, yeah, and so that's like kind of like the the undertones is the yeah. rainbow of like you know that's because at the rainbow place the costume the costumier um, they've got the two uh, uh, Japanese guys two Japanese guys yeah. are cross dressing and having sex with the underage girl mm-hmm. so which is I mean I don't want to include that like in in the you know the non hetero spectrum but like you know it's that's the only kind of uh, non-cis normative stuff. I, I hate using these words because I feel like I'm either insulting people or sounding like half an asshole. Right. But like, it is, like, yeah. It is You're a just kind of, Will Wheatoning it here. Yeah, no, it is like a pointed thing of like, it's a super hetero movie even though they're at a fucking weird, like, they're at like a Nero-like orgy. I mean, there should be people fucking their, 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 their brother. And yes, but it's just like, but- nope. Just, just good old fashioned man on woman. <laughs> yes, but no. And, and again, we can, we'll, I'll, I'll get more into that when we, when we get there. Um, so they go home and Bill and Alice have sex too. They did a bad, bad thing. Baby That's, did a bad, bad yes. thing. So 
that's that's terrible. No, see, I I enjoy that because like she's just looking at herself in the mirror and looking at him, and then like her expression kind of changes. And... Yeah, no, she looks uncomfortable, like she's not into it. No, no, not the scene, the song being oh. there. It it fits in this movie so not at all. Like it, it makes no sense for it to be. In, it, it didn't it, bother me. Re- at oh all. god, that really drew me out a lot because there's no other contemporary music. Like everything yeah. else is is operatic or like you know he goes to a jazz club to see. His friend, like it's all piano and 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 New York f- fancy pants music. But, but then I, it's just like, hey, look at me, I got a big dick. God, well, but I kind of like that because because there's a certain part of this movie that is for all the the pomp and circumstance of these people's lives and the in the rich and whatever. It's it boils down to like gross rutting, just disguised in different forms. Because the orgy is very similar, like you said, it's very similar to the Christmas party at the beginning. And the same shit's happening. Yeah. Where Sandor Savos is trying to bang this guy's wife. And when you when you boil it down, like you can strip away the Shostakovich and the and the glorious paintings and the finery robes, and then it's just Chris Isaac going like, I like butts. Yeah. His famous song. I guess I, I like guess butts. I just don't want I guess I just don't wanna I, I don't want to be challenged with that by by Southern blues. <laughs> like, oh, you know, yeah. I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather approach it in a more intellectual manner other than like something that would, should be on the, it sounds like the theme to true blood. Mm, uh-huh. <laughs> but it's also just funny. Cause I remember like that bit being such a selling point for the movie. It's like, Oh, it's so steamy. It's, it's Cruz and Kidman. And that scene is really not that erotic. Yeah, she's particularly also, with everything that comes afterwards. And like, and you watch it, and you're like, "Oh man, this is weird." And she's also, and not just her, him. They're both the least sexual, attractive people alive. Like, there is no sexuality with either of them. And maybe it's just because they have no chemistry, even though they're married. Like, yeah, see, I, dis- I disagree. I, I, I go to town on either of. Them. <laughs> oh wait, no, I mean they're both very attractive, but there's no like, I don't know. They both seem like asexual. Like they're just they're like. Uh, to be looked at. Um, so after the, the the scene that you love so much to uh, Baby Did a Bad Bad Thing, uh, we get a montage of what their days are like where yes. she's at home kind of uh, distractedly smoking cigarettes and taking care of her kid. And, mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah. And there's so here's here's a kind of an important setup. So the first thing we see at his job is him uh, giving an exam to an incredibly attractive woman, mm-hmm. uh, topless. And, and, that's, and her first uh, line of argument when they get high later is, Oh, you're at your office with these statuesque people feeling their tits. Yeah. And that's such an idiotic thing for her to say, because that's not what doctors do. But he made, like, Kubrick but made a point of actually yeah. filming, like, yeah. absolutely. He was, that lady was probably in the orgy party later. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming she is, because that's the way he works. But mm-hmm. Yeah. And so after after that exploration of their their lives, it's, it's them at home later. And Nicole Kidman decides to roll a joint. Then they get into this argument where she's like, hey, those models you were talking to, did you, you went away for a while, did you fuck one of them? And he's like, oh, of course not. Um, At that speed, they said it too, because <coughs> this is not the most laboriously long thing that's ever oh, happened. Oh, I, I love it. Having been in high arguments before. Yeah. Uh, those two girls yeah. that you happened, did you happen to fuck them? It's also it's, Kubrick, so of no, course no, it's laborious. No, no. I kind of love it, but I also just kind of like, this is fucking absurd. Yeah. I guess uh, I see the comedy. I guess that that could have been a comedic, a much more comedic beat if this was done. If that was Woody Allen and Bia Farrow, that could have been a actually funny. But you some know. of it some of it works as a comedy with, with in terms of like this, this argument is kind of ridiculous. And then like what happens afterwards and just the universe cucking Tom Cruise because it is Tom Cruise and yeah. him just never being able to seal the deal. 
there's there is something sort of you know, hilarious it's more, about that. Yeah, it's more like a farce than a comedy. You know, yeah. yeah, like the yeah more comedy like a, in a Shakespearean yeah, way. Yeah, Fraser Crane going oh, yeah versus me laughing mm-hmm. at Ace Ventura. <laughs> oh, good lord! <laughs> <laughs> oh my word! Yeah. Uh, you ever see that clip where he falls off the stage and he goes, "Oh, good lord!" Yes, yes, it's great. The greatest thing ever. That is my ringtone. So, um, this is where she tells the story that she is uh, last year. There in a well, hotel. Before, well, before we get to that, though, I feel like I feel like we should give the buildup where he's saying that he wouldn't have sex with these people because she's his wife and he loves her. Oh, yeah. yeah. And she's like, you're saying you'd only do this sort of out of fidelity to me. That doesn't mean that you don't want to. Fidelity. Fidelity. That, that's going to come up again. Their insurance company. And then he's then she's like, what about me? And he's like, well, basically, guys are only talking to you because they want to fuck you. And she's like, well, how dare you? Uh, I also have my own sort of inner sex life and inner um, inner fantasies and spills this out in the story. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Wait, actually, now let me let me go back to this part that you corrected me for skipping that you skipped because mm-hmm. it's so important. I totally forgot about this where he basically says, well, no, of course, women don't get horny. Yeah, basically. That's, yeah, yeah. No, he literally because she's like millions upon millions of years of evolution. It means guys want to fuck everything and women just it's like. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, pretty much like. Oh, that is some unevolved shit right there. Yeah. I, I totally forgot about yeah. that part, and that's when she she launches into the uh, the soldier story. Yeah, she, they were, they went on vacation like the previous year or, or a couple years ago, and she just saw this guy at the in like this this navy guy in the uh, lobby of the hotel. They made eye contact, and she was like, "Yeah, no, I'll give this all up to fuck that guy. I'll I'll throw away my whole life to have sex with this dude." And that starts Tom Cruise. Going insane. Yeah. And he um, he's like, he's upset. But then he gets a phone call that some patient of his has died. And so he has to leave. Yes. Um, but at this point, so this goes back to um, the kind of the nature of this movie uh, of, you know, what what's reality? What's, what's the difference between a dream and the real world or whatever? Yeah. And it didn't occur to me until watching it this time. Did that happen? Well. Or was she just making something up because she, she just wanted to get in his head? Right. That's a good that's a good point because particularly her other dream later that she's weirdly upset about, she wakes up just to humiliate him and then it's like, Oh, I feel bad about that. Yeah, totally. So I mean, yeah, could yeah. there's there is no evidence one way or the other. Because watching it this time, I was reading much more like anger towards him, like her being like, oh, fuck this fucking guy. So she knew the she knew because that's there's if she had said she fucked somebody, he would have been less upset yeah. than her imagining it and saying, I would leave you like and that was that's like the worst thing he could have heard. Yeah. And it's like, oh shit, did she just make that up? Like, was that improv to just be like, fuck you, dude? Yeah, yeah. could could be. I mean, like, there is so much of this movie that is ambiguous. Yeah. And, in in great ways. And uh, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, that could be. That could absolutely just be because he even says like, you're trying to pick a fight with me. That's what I mean. Yeah. And so you know, it's, it could yeah. just be her being like, because it's it's a fucking that's a power move. Yeah. So he um he gets called by his uh. uh one of his one of his patients who has passed away, mm-hmm. and he meets uh, Marion, who yes. is who is the patient's daughter. Marion basically, with her dad dead on the uh, on the bed next to them, mm-hmm. professes her love for Tom Cruise. Yeah, she starts talking about her life, and then he's like, "No, it's going to be great. You're going to move to Michigan with your with your fiance, or, and and it's going to be great. That's fine." And then yeah, she's just like, "Oh my God, I love you." Yeah, kisses him awkwardly. He doesn't pull away quick enough, which no, I kind of like. Yeah, and. But here's what's great about that is her saying, I'm going to throw my whole life away. And this is that first echo. It's literally she's doing the exact same thing that mm-hmm. Nicole Kidman did. And I this is where because some of the other stuff that I said was a little ham handed. I I want to love 
how deftly that was done. Mm-hmm. But since other stuff was kind of ham-fisted, I went, oh, was that a little on the nose? Because now, now my on the nose beater is up. Because it was, literally was the previous scene. Right. Her saying that. And then it cuts to this. And this goes back to the editing thing is I actually could have used a walk between those two scenes. Well, see, for me, what I liked about that, though, is her being like, what what it because it, it it was that yes it was certainly this like Tom Cruise immediately being introduced to this like here's this here's a situation you are upset you are feeling jealous here is this like I want to be with you kind of thing what's well, the exact situation it's literally it's it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a she I'm wants to throwing my life away for you you don't know me yet. but then the husband shows up and the criminal looks, fucking minds himself looks exactly like Tom Cruise yeah no, totally yeah and that was like that changed the whole thing for me. Because it's it's like this weird twinning thing, and yeah. also in terms of if you want to argue like the whole like dreamlike state, kind of characters get sort of subbed in and out like that, like with him and this guy, and then like the prostitute and her roommate. Uh, yeah, they just sort of like, but, but but like because of that, it's just this mirror image of what just happened. Yeah, and I think that probably freaked him out a little bit. But I also like I like that as well as sort of in terms of a guy sort of journey into his attempt at sexual depravity or whatever is being his first thing he encounters is the exact same thing he was trying to escape from. Yeah. And also I, I, I can't tell you enough how much I love that. It's the guy from criminal minds. I know that's his later career. I just know him from Dharma and Greg. Oh, I don't, I don't even know. I've never even seen that show. Is he, it was out a guy from Dharma and Greg. He was Greg. Oh no shit. Oh yeah. So this is, um, he leaves because, uh, criminal minds shown up and he right. you know, bounces and he, he walks around New York uh, he's getting mad. Uh, he's like picturing his wife getting getting banged by the by the navy guy and punching his fist. And and he's he's pissed. He's mad. Yeah. And then th- some some street ruffians, some not very New York looking street. Oh, ruffians. they're not. Well, they're from Boston. They're all wearing. They're all wearing like I forget if it's Yale or Harvard. Oh, is shirts. that true? Yeah. Yeah. But it's also like it's very Boston. I'm pretty sure the mayor of Boston was in there. Because yeah. they're immediately just like saying homo- homophobic epithets at him. Yeah, it's it's super. Yeah, it's a really awkward scene. Uh, I I I don't get what happened here, but I I'm glad it happened. But no, I get. Yeah, it's just these. It's just these uh, uh, Bostonites being very from Boston, like challenging his sexuality further because they're yeah. calling him they're uh, calling him queer and whatever and uh, making blowjob jokes at him. This is where uh, an incredibly attractive street. A hooker, yeah. Which uh, I'm, I I know nothing about uh, a hooker dumb. Have you never seen Pretty Woman? Other than other than Pretty Woman, right? The uh, documentary. I know, Pretty I know Woman. very little about uh, a hooker dumb. Uh, a street. She's like like a thousand dollar a night looking lady, and she's right. just she picks some rando up off the street. Well, you could you <laughs> could argue two things. One, yeah, it's a movie. Yeah. The other being like there there is this sort of like dreamlike quality to it, and they say that that because so much of this movie is. Filmed with like rear projection when like Tom Cruise walking down the street, whenever you see him head on, like there's just rear projection. Oh, is that New why York that looks of. weird like that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, because Stanley Kubrick, uh, like hated traveling, fear of flying or whatever. So some people, I have seen the argument that it's like, well, he wanted to make a more dreamlike state, but then it's also like, yeah, I just want to go to New York. He's an old man. So I think know, probably, I, I don't know. Maybe a combo, it, it works. Combo as, platter. Yeah. But like I would actually think it's more aesthetic choice because like it's the same I, thing I, with like. It's also like for how meticulous Kubrick is, I'm willing to to give it the yeah. benefit of the doubt with that. Because also, like, there's a lot of like lighting stuff in here, yeah. which is like super kind of it has that same kind of weird washed out dream like quality. Yeah. yeah, and there are Christmas lights everywhere, which I this is a great Christmas movie. Yeah, this is a diehard level Christmas yeah. movie. Um, so this this very attractive prostitute uh, picks him up, and and he's like, yeah, Domino. 
I guess, uh, yeah, she turns out she's very lucky, helps helps Deadpool out a lot. Yes. Um, they go to the other place and he... <laughs> Please compare Stanley Kubrick to Deadpool 2. I already did. <laughs> Rob Liefeld. Uh, so he... Uh, Picks up this prostitute and uh, it, it, she goes. They go back to her place and it's awkward. And he's like, "Oh, this place is cozy," and uh, they kiss, which mm. is gross. Mm. It, it, it's just I know you want to be unfaithful to your wife, but like, do you really want to just str- jump straight to like herpes? Yep. Because like he's a doctor. It's yeah. not like it's not like he he's he's unaware of the, of the horrors right. that must be in in this this. But he I, has, I, sorry, he, sex worker. My apologies. But he has and, access to the secret medicine that no one else has. The do- only doctors have. Oh, Infowars.com. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, do- uh, Domino, first of all, uh, that's a kind of mask. And also she is wearing purple, which is the color of their bed sheets at home. I don't know if that means anything, but uh, it's Stanley Kubrick, so it might. Purple, also the color that the Romans donned when they uh, when they climbed the Cursus Honorum, uh, which is the kind of the senatorial uh, campaigns, which means that they're much like Romans, much like Roman orgies, mm. thus purple. Also made from crushing up snails, mm-hmm. which you may have referenced earlier, that there is the hidden sacred geometry inside a snail circle, the right. Fibonacci spiral, which you see echoed inside. Oh, oh God, wait, sorry. I just I just became a Stanley yeah. Kubrick fan for a moment. My yeah. apologies. No, that's that's boring. <laughs> the real thing is, is, is that it's an allusion to Mr. Glass from Unbreakable. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he uh, he gets a call from his wife. He's got a sweet star tack. Yeah, they're they're about to seal the deal, and then he gets a call from Nicole Kidman being like, eh, "What's good? Where are you at?" Yeah, what's up, bro? You up? Yeah. And uh, he's like, uh, "Hey, I gotta go. Can't stress enough. Oh, I love his cell phone, flip phone, star tack. Love mm-hmm. it." Uh, he's like, "Hey, I gotta go. Um, I really would like to, but this is another one of those rhyming moments. The way he says no to her is the same way she said no." to the Hungarian yes. guy in that another kind of rhyming thing of like this kind of like, oh God, do I want it, but no. But, yeah. but also in this situation, like when, when they're like, she invites him in, he says like, so basically how much we talking here? And she's like, what do you want? And he's like, uh, what do you recommend? And she's like, I don't want to tell you. How about 150? He's like, that sounds great. And so he he is like, well, I don't want to, I, I bothered you. I don't want to go through with this, but I trouble you for your time. Here's 150 bucks again. Tom Cruise just being completely transactional. Yes. And gives her the money, gives her the money, and then uh, leaves still angry. Uh, I do like the whole rhyming thing of, you know, uh, the way he says no to her, same as she says to Hungarian. Mm-hmm. So he wanders over to uh, the jazz club where his friend- The Sonata. The Sonata Club, where Nick Nightingale, who's playing. Mm-hmm. Now, John, what does Nick Nightingale do? Plays piano. What are, what are Nightingales very famous for? Playing piano. No singing. Oh. Why is he not a singer? And his name is Dick Knight. Gil, you son of a fuck. Yeah. Uh, Stanley Cooper is actually in that scene. He's in the background of yeah, that Yeah, I scene. heard that uh, on the uh, trivia as I was breezing through uh, while, when you arrived earlier. And that's about the only one I read. I'm surprised you know. There's a scene he waves and then he winks and then touches his nose and goes up a chimney. <laughs> Oh, wow. I yeah. had no idea. Yeah. I, we're up going up a chimney like flu powder because Gregorovich from the Harry Potter movies is in this film. Who? Gregorovich, the wand maker. He made he made Victor Crumb's wand, probably the last wand he made. Uh who's I mean He get, once owned one of the Deathly Hollows? I mean, come on, John. Who is he in Eyes Wide that, Shut? Uh, the guy that owned the costume shop. Oh, that guy that yeah. guy is like that guy had a good run in the late nineties, early two thousands. What 2000s. do I know him from? I was trying uh, to figure it Snatch. out. Snatch. He's the he's the unkillable Russian in Snatch. That's exactly no, or that's a, the Saint with Val Kilmer. No, it's Snatch. It's exactly no, it's what the it Saint was. with Val Kilmer. I Everyone I, loves that movie. One. 
seen that movie more than once. Oh yes, I actually do enjoy it. But two, no, it's it's totally sad. Yeah, no, I was, he to, was. Yeah, I was trying to. I, I couldn't. I went through his IMDb. And I'm like. I think I know him from everything he's been in that's American. Yeah, he's been like the crazy Russian in several movies. Uh, So he goes to his friend, uh, Nick Nightingale, famous for his singing. So he's playing piano. And uh, he's like, hey, uh, shut up late. Sorry to, you know, uh, show up late. He's like, hey, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And awkward conversation. The point is, Nick is on his way to a very secretive uh, appointment. And Mm -hmm. he's kind of laughing about it, but uh, laughing in a very kind of scared way. Tom Cruise somehow gets the information out of him. Well, because because he's the guy, he mentions, he's like, well, I've got another gig tonight after after this is over. Uh, it's this weird thing. They call me up ahead of time and uh, I don't know where it's going to be at and it's it's all wild. And he gets, he gets the phone call for the place and then he writes down the word Fidelio. Yes. Which is apparently a Beethoven opera? Or is it, I forget who the who the composer was. I think it's Beethoven. Tom Cruise sees what it says and like, well, what's, what's this? And he's like, I can't talk about it, I gotta go. And Tom Cruise's like, come on, we're friends. Tom Cruise is just looking to do whatever. He does not want to go home and, uh, you know, maybe get some strange. So uh, go to the bone zone. So he's he's like, let me let me go. And it's like, well, you need to – there's costumes. It's a whole thing. Yeah, I do also like where he goes, I play blindfolded. Mm-hmm. Seriously, I play – like, I, I like that kind of reveal of just him being kind of freaked out. But also Nick Nightingale, dude, what the fuck are you telling this asshole for? Yeah, well, yeah, because he's – he's. I think I think the idea is – because I, I would totally do this. Where it would be like – well, you know, you're not going to go do this. I can just tell you when it's safe and whatever. Well, that's uh, why you're not a part of my secret s- s- uh, well, so anyway. That's why I do this podcast blindfolded. Hey, yo. Um, he goes to an apartment building that has a costume shop under and at the main floor as well, which, God, that's got to be some fucking expensive ass rent. Yeah. And uh, apparently it was one of his ex-patients. Yes, uh, what, that owns rainbow costumes. Rainbow costumes. He walks up the steps, the lower steps entrance says under the rainbow mm. and then i think it's i think maybe that's just the name of the show i, I just saw rainbow is, yeah. that's us it's a rainbow connection right it was rainbow connection. and and gregorovich from the deathly hollows mm-hmm. uh so it's like uh hey blah, 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 okay give me money i'll let you in well what yeah. i love about this is this is the first time and not the only time i said where he flashes his doctor badge oh, like it's like it's a cop thing in in terms of the themes uh, of this movie that were really but the sort of like I'm upper class. Look at me. I'm an authority because I have this doctor's badge. I'm a legitimate person. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I. Yeah. That's probably what they meant it. I kind of took it and this would be exactly what I would do if I were a doctor. Be like, everybody trusts doctors. Look, I'm a doctor. So you yeah. don't have to trust me. Like, yours, look, we have shorthand. Mm-hmm. We live in the same world. Uh, yeah, I do love that. And he basically, uh, he, he bribes uh, Gregorovich because I, I, yeah, no, I don't think he has his name. Uh, he to does, let him but in, it's fine. and would you know it off the top of your head? Yep. Oh, what is it? Not Grigorovich. All That's right. His name. Not interesting name. What's that? Romanian? Yes. Uh, so he goes into the shop, and they're looking for his cloak, his tux, his hood, and his mask. And uh, he finds in the side room there is uh, old Chinese food mm-hmm. and uh, tittering. And turns out two uh, Asian men in, in heavily makeup and only wearing speedos are in there with his underage daughter. Yes, Lily Sobieski. And he feigns uh, outrage. Well, eventually we find out it's feigned. But yeah. for, for all we know right now, he is he is angry and he is like, how dare you? My, she is just a child. She comes running out only like only in her underwear, hugs Tom Cruise and whispers in his ear. And apparently, according to the script, what she whispers is uh, your cloak will need an ermine lining or something to that effect. 
Oh, so she's been there. Uh, I don't know. Because, like, there's this, there's a repeated back and forth between him and the, the cloak dealer about what color cloak. I was like, red? Uh, no, I'll just do black. No, you want something more colorful? No. And then later, yeah. it's like, what color? What color? It just it happens again and again and again. Um, but yeah, it's this weird thing. And then he locks the two guys in, and he's like, nope, this is a matter for the police, and then goes right back to helping Tom Cruise. Yeah. Uh, well, so it depends. I mean, this goes back to the, you know, what do you trust in this movie? So, mm-hmm. you know, in the scene, he's supposed to be angry, but it's actually, it's revealed late. It doesn't matter. Fast, in a in a scene later, he drops the the costume off, and those two men are leaving pleasantly. And it's yeah. like, hey, see you around, buddies. Good, glad, glad you double teamed my underage. Yeah, daughter. and then and, offers her to Tom Cruise. Yeah, which also would have made sense if this were a Woody Allen film. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah if that were Woody Allen and be a film. But this happened on screen. Uh, well, no, I guess that's true with Manhattan. Uh, yeah. There was that. There was a younger lady. But um, so he ends up getting the cloak and then takes a cab to this location. Again, Tom Cruise being all transactional is like, uh, he's like, hey, wait outside for me. Rips a hundred dollar bill in half because he will. He first of all to get to get the 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 Russian guy to open the store, he offers uh, money above the the price of the costume. Yeah, because it's late at night. Which it's Tom like, Cruise fat stacks. Like I know he's a doctor, yeah. but he's he's but walking around, he's, he's walking yeah. around with hundreds upon hundreds of dollars. That's all he knows. Yeah. And then to tell the cab driver like he rips a hundred dollar bill in half, and he's like, I'll give you half now, and then half when I come out if you'll wait for me. Goes inside, and that's when the orgy scene happens. Now, the orgy scene, that was such, like, a big deal at the time because it was sort of, like, famously – because it was supposed to be NC-17 because it was orgy scene. And they ended up digitally adding nude women, Which the bash of nude women, to, to cover things up. awful. Technically, it's awful. It stands out really bad. But in, ter- in terms of the feeling of the scene, and granted, in terms of, of what the person, what the, the, the filmmaker wanted to do – Yes, I'm against it. But in terms of what it actually did, I don't think is that bad because it made the sex seem more uh, remote and more mechanical than if like, I mean, it's hard to say, it's hard to give a comparison, but because it was like even more distant and weird than just watching, you know, particularly now where porn is, you know, like if if you think about it with Wi-Fi being everywhere and and cell phone data being everywhere, you're eating pornography all the time because you're ingesting those signals. Yeah, we should think about it that we, way, John. Yeah, we should. That's the way Wi-Fi works. Infowars.com. Yes. Uh, but, like that, uh, you ever see that that video clip where Lucille Ball claimed to have intercepted Nazi messages on her teeth fillings? Mm-hmm. That's basically what you just did with your understanding no, but that's, of Wi-Fi. Yeah. Both are true. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm I'm eating pornography right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. We all are. Um, well, I, I just... They were sport-fucking in the orgy, and I think that was going to do the job of non-sexualizing it in the same way he did in Clockwork Orange, where like in the scene where they do the fast forward sex with right, the two yeah. girls, where I think Kubrick knows how to make it not sexy. Like, right. And I, and, and I'm one, just, just the bad CGI annoyed me. And two, yes. the, the unedited version came out uh, in the, the mid two thousands. Cause I watched it. Mm. Why the hell did I watch the edited version this time? Like, why is that the available one? Yeah. I don't know. That I mean, it's, me. you know, that's a whole other, discussion about streaming services and what's available yeah. and because especially and it, not even just the bad cgi because it didn't it's not the worst i've seen mm-hmm. but it i don't know i just i, I think it's obvious if, if anybody should have the fucking like 
carte blanche to make a movie the way he wants to make it. It's fucking Stanley Kubrick. You would like, think. You just, it's cute. Like, of course you just, anyway. But yeah. um, um, another, it, it, the thing we kind of skipped over, and I think it's somewhat important, is that Tom Cruise mask kind of looks like Tom Cruise. Well, apparently it's it's a, a mask of Ryan O'Neill uh, from Barry Lyndon. And so this this scene, I mean, this is the the center of the whole movie. Yeah. Like, this is, this is oh, wait, wait, the wait, thing. Sorry, wait, wait. Yeah. I, I wanted to make a point with the mask of how it, fine, it's somebody else, but it looks like Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. similar to Tom Cruise. I think that is important that he's in a place with a mask on that kind of looks like him yeah. in the same way that whole echoing thing is that in his real life, he's putting on a mask to be the husband. The like, right. It's just an important point to make before we get into the literal orgy that right. happens in the movie that we, we've established this whole like mask wearing concept this, and how it's reflected back in his real life and how the part he's at now is an echo of the party he was at earlier mm-hmm. when he's wearing his his face, you know, uh, what, why are you wearing that human mask? You know, my favorite movie, Donnie Darko. Right. Yeah. But I I love this scene. And this took a lot of shit because people were like, oh, an orgy scene, an orgy scene. And then they're like, oh, it's very, like, religious and stodgy. Absolutely it is. Yeah. Like, it. this is basically, you know, we, we, we danced around kind of talking about, like, this sort of being a movie about power. This is some weird, like, skull and bones shit. This is, it's not just people being like, one of my favorite takes of this was the uh, or parodies of this was in uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, Dennis, the character Dennis, wants to experience some weird sex stuff, and Danny DeVito's character is like, "I'll take you to this orgy I go to," and they all put on masks and cloaks, and the password is orgy, <laughs> and they go and it's all these gross people just eating at a buffet and, yeah. and whatever, and it's great, but like the pomp and uh, the pomp of all this yeah. is kind of the point. Like it's this big, huge ceremony. It's like skull and bones jerking off on Geronimo's yeah. skull or whatever. Well, the, the it's, it's so we're we're introduced to it via this this man in a kind of a Catholic red cloak. Yes, uh, swinging a censor of incense around mm-hmm. uh, a group of uh, people in black cloaks knelt before him. Yeah, and the music is this weird music, and I think it's backward mass it's, vocals. It's backward talking. I did not want to like find out what that I was because I, I don't want to know. <laughs> It's I, not the point. I was hoping you would have done this because no. I was like, I don't want to fall down that rabbit no, hole. No, exactly. Like I don't because I'm not going to learn anything. And, and what I what I do find out, I'm not going to be my fulfilled problem is by I'll that. likely believe it. It's my yeah. problem. So it's just like it's it's what it is backwards is to all beef patty special sauce. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, then the uh, black cloaks stand up, and they turned out they're all uh, buxom uh, uh, naked women, and they're all wearing like just plain ass masks, like. Yeah. Not like I mean, there's there's ornamentation to them, but they're just like white masks, basically. Yeah, and this is this is uh, reminiscent of uh, earlier Kubrick th- that scene in Clockwork Orange where he's going for the Ludovico treatment when he's done, when he's vomiting on the woman standing on stage, and she's completely. I mean, she's she's attractive as all hell, right. but she's sexless. Like it's right. just this is a temptation, and here is this literal orgiastic, this man in red swinging. You know, he's he's consecrating them to let them out loose. Now, there is an argument uh, or, or a reading in this film that involves this sort of being a flight of fancy for Tom Cruise's character, which I don't necessarily support, but the idea of these women kind of being sexless, but they're sort of supports what you were saying earlier with like the, the woman in the doctor's office. Yeah. Whether these women being presented as that. But I think it's more just, I, I take it more, I guess, literal in terms of it being this Orgy for the powerful that they're dressing up in in fanciness, but still being all 
weird and kind of sexless in that in that regard as well because it doesn't matter it's not about how sexy something is you yeah, know it's gonna... it's power i mean yeah. this is this is i mean i think this is a metaphor for fucking kids i mean i think that's what it's not like he could film that but i mean this right. is supposed to be that uh conspiracy of silence shit that which you know, yeah uh, which drives me nuts when people are like oh it's the illuminati it's like this shit's actually happening yeah like, you don't need to dress up with pizza gate and all this stuff like and, I, and i'm not even alleging like a huge conspiracy but just like people in power doing awful shit like this Look at look yeah. up Jeffrey Epstein. Look up you know. Well, that's like, look up Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Like just all the shit's happening. Well, Conspiracy of Silence was this uh, banned PBS documentary. Right. Yeah, that it was literally members of our Congress that were trading children to fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, well, there was that yeah. whole British thing too. Yeah, yeah, with Jer- uh, Jeremy Savile, whatever his name is. Oh, uh, uh, well, there was well, there was that guy, but yeah. I think I feel like there was also like in political realms there, oh, was, okay. there was that stuff too. But um, so yeah, this is this is a power structure. This is not meant to be sexy, yeah. but I just I and but but it's gorgeous. This yeah, scene it's is, wonderful, and that's what it, I think that makes the CGI bother me more because Stanley Kubrick is so good at framing yes. shots that it's yeah. just like, you put a th- like yeah. uh, it just kind of it seems weird. But um, he's walking around, and it seems like uh, so at one point he's spotted by somebody in a mask. Yes, yeah, so that is one of my f- this is one of my favorite interactions in any movie. And, and not to be hyperbolic about it, but I genuinely love this, where just the way the camera kind of zooms in and the person in the creepy mask and the person behind them, like, turns yeah. and looks at Tom Cruise. And there's theories that it's Victor Ziegler. There's theories that it's this guy or that guy. It doesn't matter. No. It's just that they see Tom Cruise and they, they kind of give a head nod. And it could be taken as, eh, oh, who do you just cocked in? Hey, what's up? You know what's good. We're going to yeah. do some fucking. Or it's like. All right, I'm our, I'm immediately skeptical of what's happening here. Well, all right, it's so, creepy. I love it. So my read of this is that that's Victor Ziegler, mm-hmm. which is the only way that the prostitute that warns him off knows who he is. Because mm. Victor goes, "Hey," because he knows her. That's the one that OD'd in the bathroom. Be like, "Hey, you got to go. That's give give my boy a little uh, dramatic warning." Because this is and and the reading I have, and, and not to fast forward through it, but like. Later in the film, there's this talk, and we're going to get into that in depth because it's the other best scene in the movie. Oh, it's yeah, um, where it's like, no, this was this was all a show. This is pageantry, and all of the all of the danger, all of the because he gets warned off by this by one of the masked women, the yeah. naked masked women, who I think we're we're meant to believe is the one that had overdosed in the previous. Well, party. yeah. So this is we, we we talk about the 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 pageantry and the pomp of this, and it is that. The mask ladies do this thing where they kiss each other through the masks. It's just these cold masks just touching each other. And then the guy in the red, like, taps his staff a couple of times in front of one, and then they wander off and choose someone. And this one woman chooses Tom Cruise, and they walk away. And that's when she warns She's like, what are you doing here? Because uh, he's staring at her the whole time. When they're walking down the hall, everyone else is like straightforward, but he's looking at her. Yeah. She's like, you should not be here. Yeah, like you have no idea the danger. And she's saying in a very hyperbolic way. This, these are grandiose statements. It's yes, not like, but not yeah. overdramatic. But no. yes, certainly just like that you are about to be shot out of a cannon of the sun. But it, it's scripted. Like, mm-hmm. like it's it's purposefully words a human wouldn't use. Because mm. especially, and cause, all right, so he warns her off. He's wandering around some more. He's essentially, I don't think there's anything else important until he gets called to the kind of the judge area. Yeah, so right? what happened, yeah. Well, yeah, he's still, he's walking around, he sees more like weird fucking, which is kind of hilarious because we, you know, we talked about sort of the male gaze, but it's like, there's people just going to town on each other and there's a couple ladies like rubbing some boobs. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> It's yeah, just yeah. like, eh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, it just doesn't really fit. No, no, that, 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 the exact two yeah. you're talking about as well. I don't, know if, I don't know if eating so much pornography has ruined my brain, but I kind of like, it would be kind of great though. And I'm glad they didn't, but it'd be kind of great if they, if they, if it was like super weird, where it's like there's, there's, 
Like, here's these people just fucking on the back of some guy. And the next to them is someone just, like, farting into cakes. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like, hmm, yes. The elite and powerful cake farts. Yes. Um, that, yeah, that's in that's in the other room. Or at least that's, that's the Tuesday ritual. Yeah. So, um. There's some, like, whispering behind him. The guy with the kind of pointy mask that recognized him at the beginning walks in with some, with some other masked woman. And she starts talking to him. And then the initial masked woman, who was taken away from him earlier, comes back in and is like, oh, there you are. Let's go chat. She takes him aside again and is like, look, get out. We know what's up. Get yeah. out of here. And then he's called back to the, the tribunal. Well, before the tribunal, he walks through a bunch of rooms where people are slow dancing to strangers in the night. Yes. Like naked. Which, in, in the, am I nuts or is that also featured in The Shining? I think it is. Or or a song half a beat away from it. I think like, cause it right. sounded it sounded very, very familiar to me. Yeah. And it would be very fitting, that kind of like. It's evil, but a different kind of I evil. I think it's either that or a song that's, you know, a song next yeah. door kind of thing. Because, I mean, basically this whole scene is the guy blowing the guy in the dog costume in The Shining. Oh, yeah. Like totally, this whole yeah. movie is, is that. Um, So this is where – oh, so it, it, here's – I color weirdness. He he walks he walks to the slow dancing strangers uh at, to this court scene and it is this uh uh this guy in this dramatic mask in the middle and he's like come you know the dramatic 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 so yeah so he's he's led in front of this the the guy that was with the what'd you call it, a censure yeah uh, a sense censor I don't know how to say it whatever yeah, yeah. the main dude yeah. uh is there and, and Tom Cruise gets brought in front of him and he's like uh eh, what are you doing here and it's like well what's what's the password. And he's like, what's the password for the house? Like, you got the entrance password. What's the password for the house? And Tom Cruise is like, I seem to have forgotten it. And the guy's like, aha, screw you. We know you're a fake. And then uh, the woman in the mask was. Uh, well, no, first he goes, take off your mask. Take off your mask. Yeah. So Tom Cruise has to take off the mask. He's like, now, now take off your clothes. Yeah. Tom Cruise is like, I'm not doing that. He's like, you do it or we'll do it. Yeah. Now, now the, the prostitute that I talked to him earlier, who I call Featherhead. Mm hmm shows up in this dramatic uh, angle in the balcony, uh, just framed in this archway. Yeah. And she goes, stop! Yes. I, she's like, I shall take on his burden or whatever it is. And it's, take me! I am ready to redeem him. Yes. And then he goes, uh, you know, thanks. And then the guy in red goes, when a promise has been made here, there is no turning back. Oh. And it's super dramatic and, and, and silly. And it's it's amazing that you don't pick up on the fact that this is all this is all a show. See, I I don't know that it is. Oh, I think it totally is. I think it's I think it's both, frankly. Um, we'll we'll get to that to the, in, just, the, in the final just, scene. It's but more her that she is scripted. Like it is, this isn't. This it's is, a whole thing. Yeah, yeah, okay. certainly. But um, so then he's he's like, all right, well she's she's taking the the hit for you, but you don't fucking tell anybody about this. You know, or this, bad things are going to happen and releases him. He leaves, goes home, shoves the, the costume in a in a drawer somewhere or whatever. And then the next day is him sort of reliving everything he did the night before. Uh, well, we're not the next day yet because he, oh. he goes home, hides the costume. And this is where uh, uh, she's laughing. Alice is laughing in her oh, sleep. Yeah, she's laughing in her sleep. And then he wakes her up and she's like, oh, I just had the worst dream. Ahem. Oh, sorry. If I may. Please do. We were in a deserted city and our clothes were gone. We were naked and I was terrified. I felt ashamed and I was angry because, because I thought it was your fault and you rushed away to find my clothes for us. As soon as you're gone, it was different. I, I felt wonderful. I was in a garden stretched out naked in the sunlight. A man walked out of the woods. He was the man from the hotel, the naval officer. He stared at me. Then he just laughed. He just laughed. He just laughed at me. 
But that's not the end, is it? Why don't you tell me the end? No, it's too awful, but it's only a dream. He was kissing me, and then we were making love, and then there were all these other people around us, hundreds, everyone was fucking, and then I, I was fucking other men, so many, I don't know how many, and I knew you could see me in the arms of all these men, just fucking all these men, and I wanted to make fun of you, to laugh in your face, and so I laughed as loud as I could. That must have been when you woke me up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Subtle, lady. And then she starts crying, and it's like, it was so terrible. But it's like, you, it's, yeah, she's awful. Yeah. No, she's trying to get in his head so fucking yeah. bad. That is, that's why I went back and typed that whole fucking scene yeah. out, because I'm like, oh, this, because then it goes, then it, I go back to the naval officer thing. I go, oh, there's no naval officer. You just said that to get this fucking dude's head, because that's why she called it back. That's, oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's like, after tonight, this is what I get. Like, you don't even know what I've been up to. So he goes to bed, not knowing all that. So the next day, he's he goes to just like retrace his steps, and he goes to tries to go to the Sonata Club, which is uh, uh, closed. I forget. Well, does he go to the costume shop first, or does he go to the Sonata Club? First? He goes to the Sonata Club first because he's carrying his costume. Because he's carrying his costume, yeah. and and the Sonata Club is, is not open yet. So he goes to the to the uh, uh, this diner next door, talks to the woman. It's like, do you know when they open? And flashes his his flashes his, his doctor batch, batch because yeah. she's like he asks about Nick Knight and he goes like, oh I know Nick and he's like, do you can I get in contact with him? And she's like, I'm not gonna give out his information. He's like. Doctor, Doctor Dragnet, uh, give me his info. And she's like, oh, okay. He's staying at this hotel, and he goes to the hotel and talks to the uh, clerk, played by Alan Cumming. Boy, Alan Cumming is like, you got to be over the top, and, and it's like, yeah, yeah, I mean, he is a little, but like, it's weird. Well, but then, but this goes back to the whole thing of like, everyone in this movie wants to bang Tom Cruise. Everyone he encounters like seems to want to like throw themselves at Tom Cruise, but he just can't seal the deal, which is hilarious. Yeah. But he, yeah, he starts, he's really skeptical about Tom Cruise. Asking him about this guy's, are you a cop? Then Tom Cruise, I think, flashes the doctor badge here, too. Or at least mentions that he's a doctor. And he's like, oh, well, honey. And then dishes. Yeah. And it's like, well, they brought this guy in, like, with other other guys. And he seemed kind of weird. And they rushed him out of here and he checked out. And he had a scar. He had a bruise on his face. And it was all very suspect. So Tom Cruise is like, okay, well, there's a conspiracy happening here. Like, there's some serious shit happening with this the sex cult that I've just encountered. He goes, the, the next scene is he goes to under the rainbow, which we basically covered the scene already where, where Gregorovich says, Hey, welcome back. You can fuck my daughter. Yeah. Uh, but you, you forgot the 500 mask. bucks. Yeah. yeah. Like here's the thing, but you do, you don't have the mask. Also the mask, the mask only costs 25 bucks. Yeah. Which very reasonable prices. Like Gregorovich is. Yeah. yeah. He's reasonable. Um, despite so like, being hey, from a Harry Potter thing. By the, by the way, uh, if you'd like to fuck my daughter, she's right there. Uh, yeah. You may notice that she is my daughter and she's underage. So if you'd like to have sex with her, because this movie paints the world in a beautiful light. And uh, Tom Cruise is like, uh, well, thank you, but no. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm good. I, yeah, I'm, I'm all right for Scientology now. provides me with everything I need in that department. Maybe later. I just got to go back to the scene of the Illuminati sex dungeon party. Mm-hmm. This is where, so he drives back, he t- gets his car out of storage, drives back up uh, to Long Island, to, where the fuck yeah, they to are. Yeah, to Summerton, which is yeah. the name of the house. And uh, that's where he gets the note, because the guy drives right. down and kind of mean mugs him and hands him. Who the, totally, yeah. I, first I thought it was Joe Turkle, who uh, was the bartender in The Shining, was Terrell. In oh, Blade yeah, Runner. yeah, okay. But I think he was probably long dead by that point. I'm not sure when that guy passed yeah. away. But uh, yeah, this butler hands him this, t- this typed note. That says like, hey, yeah, just don't. He said, yeah, c- consider this your second warning. Yeah, yeah just, yeah. just, you're, it's gonna be fruitless. Don't get into this. Yeah, just back off. 
Uh, so uh, he he's like, oh, that sucks. So he drives back to his office. And, but to, yet again, another shot of Tom Cruise like behind bars. Uh, like while he's waiting, he's behind the gate. While oh, he's yeah. waiting, while he's waiting for the rainbow guy to come down, he's behind the the bars of the door. Tom Cruise is in a prison of his own making throughout this movie. Yeah, or he's just in a in a city that's kind of safety conscious. Yeah. You know, it depends. It depends. It depends on how deep you want to read into it. Mm-hmm. So uh, he drives back to the office to brood some more, and um, he calls he calls the uh, uh, the dead uh, dad lady from earlier. But uh, Criminal Minds picks up, and he's like, Ah, crap. Yeah, like, I guess. Oh. He, yeah, I guess, like. I can't have sex with you. Yeah, the last, my last ditch effort. Maybe I could, but not quite last ditch because right. he's going to go to the prostitute's place. Back to the prostitute with uh, some pastries. He meets a roommate who, uh, who this is an incredibly awkward scene. So he's, it's so great. He's all up on her, uh, untying her, her clothes. And, and he's like, oh yeah, well, uh, when's she going to be back? And it's getting all sexy times. Unties, unties her, her shirt that's tied up, mm-hmm. starts feeling her tits. To which she goes into a speech about how her roommate just tested positive for HIV. Well, but I like that. That is such a well, fucking awkward scene. But here's what's great about that. First of all, he's like, well, your roommate's with a prostitute. You must also be a prostitute. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's not that big of a leap. No, but then but then she's like that. But I'm also, I mean, she's kind of like, she's kind of into it because he's Tom Cruise. He's a handsome guy. But she's like, I got to protect myself. Uh, this lady got the bug. You know, sit down. I got to tell you that. And Tom Cruise is like, oh, boy. Does the whole like uh, finger in the collar thing? Oh, yeah. Yo, yo, steam actually shoots out. That was in uh, the uncut version. Um, yeah, CGI steam. Yeah. CGI steam. And then Tommy's like, "Oh, well, that sucks," and then leaves. Uh, again, not being able to to seal the deal. Yeah, that was really. And he never awful. he never goes like like oh well we didn't actually bang so uh, we're fine. But he's just like again the the uh, the ramifications of sex like the the. Aftermath is a thing that like hits him because I think that's what stops him in the first place with Nicole Kidman is that he actually when he when uh, he's about to get with the prostitute and she calls he's like oh right like I have a, I have to I have a life yeah and I have to live with this and I think that he as much as he wants to have these fantasies he also knows he can't actually live with it that that conflict is a central driving thing of his character I think. yeah and not to not to like kind of discount the movie's narrative and like you know. Uh, the character motivations, but this this guy really needs to get a massage with a happy ending, and his life would be a lot better. Yeah, but he like, won't, he can't because how many he gets a lot. He probably could because it's just a like it's fine. It's clinical. He's a he, doctor. He would yeah, but he would he would feel so terrible. He can't. He has he is so hung up about. He can't believe that a woman has actual sex fantasies. Yeah, he can't do it. Yeah, but he seen it doesn't seem like the type of he would feel bad. I bet I bet he could cheat and kind of get over it in a few 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 weeks. I think like, I think yeah. he would I think he would feel bad. I think like I think for as for as weird and sort of transactional as he is, wh- not this isn't like a and I don't mean this is like this sort of like inner humanity that he has. He's actually a good person, but like something always stops him, and it's not always just like yeah, weird, like he stops himself. Like he's got he's got hangups about this stuff. Yeah, I still he just seems like a sleazo. So like you get over it. anyway. So um, he's uh, more discordant piano, mm-hmm. and he's walking. Turns out he's being followed. Yes, and it's like. Uh, you know, it becomes very obvious. He makes turns. The guy, the guy that's following him, kind of stares at him. Uh, he he he, he kind of looks like the 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 principal from Back to the Future. You know who he looks like to me? Uh, uh the guy that Dark Man takes over in Dark. Oh Man. yeah, yeah, he does look like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. It might be that same actor. I don't know. The Dark Man. The. And um, so he, he sneaks off into a cafe and uh, orders a cappuccino. And he reads a thing in the paper about a dead beauty queen. Well, so this is great because the the the. 
headline on the front is the New York Post. The headline on the front is like, lucky to be alive, which is sort of telling of his situation in terms of the, the perceived threat. But also in that article, if you look in the article, the, the prostitute that is dead, the beauty queen that is dead, that he immediately takes as like, oh, this is the woman in the mask from earlier. She is apparently OD'd in a hotel room. In the article, it says she had she was a fashion model. She was an ex-beauty queen, was getting into fashion modeling, and was dating fashion designer Leon Vitali. Now, that's a fun little like, uh, no, I'm just I'm making props and I'm just gonna put the guy's name in here. It's Leon. We all know Leon, it's fun. But it's also sort of in the terms of the movie and you know, this weird sort of meta thing around it, is like, was Leon Vitali the fashion designer, the guy in the suit? You know what I mean? Like because it's Kubrick and yeah. you can get all 237 with no, it. No, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That like, cause there was, a, there was a thing I watched that was, that made these, these giant leaps in deciding that because this was decided that Leon Vitale, that she had a connection to Leon Vitale and Leon Vitale played the guy in the red suit. She had a connection to the guy in the red suit. And technically it was, uh, uh, Victor Ziegler was the guy in the red suit the whole time. And he was just doing an accent. Which doesn't make any sense, and but that's no. that's how people view Kubrick movies sometimes. No, no, absolutely, and and I can fall for that a lot. But like in this, but I just movie, thought it was I yeah, just thought it was a fun thing. No, 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 totally. Yeah. I wish I had picked up on it. Um, I paused to read the article. Yeah, that's that's. What was my second time through? Yeah. Anyway, he thinks it's Featherhead from the orgy, and um, uh, he goes and goes to the hospital, pretends that he's her doctor to look at her dead body in the mm-hmm. morgue. And uh, she's she's uh, naked in the on a slab, and it and it's as sexual as she was alive. Like it's just like this clinical thing. They keep cutting back to the uh, coroner, just kind of tapping his foot, waiting for this guy. To yeah, be done. He, like refuses to make eye contact with Tom Cruise the whole time. Yeah, and then when like there's this there's this moment, and I and I really love this where Tom Cruise like it looks like he's gonna kiss her, and he like bends down, yeah. and then doesn't. Uh, again, I thought it was just for sort of very fitting for the whole thing, and and this weird like. A corpse. You should not be making out with a corpse. And I mean, when I say I mean, kiss, I mean he's going to kiss. He's going to kiss her forehead. Mm. But even then, this weird like he can't bring himself to do it. It's it's just this awkward little moment. But he gets he gets a phone call then, and it's Victor Ziegler yes. uh, wants to see him, which leads to the to the the second best scene in the film. It's is, so good. Is is him and Victor? Uh, so he walks into his office, and it's this gorgeous office amazing like nine foot red velvet pool table right that costs more than everything i've ever owned put together it is fucking gorgeous well that was another yeah. that was a part of the theory that he's the guy in the red cloak is that the guy in the red cloak is the middle of the I center square too, and then yeah. there's the, i think it's more just like you said the mirroring where it's like yeah Yes, this is to identify that this is related to that, not this is that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, to me, I'm fine with the read that Victor was the guy on the balcony that they did the the slow turn. Yeah, to, I don't. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, like I, I'll take that. I don't need it to be that. Oh yeah, I'm I don't fine. need that one to one. I'm fine I just either need that, way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, but I, I think him being the red cloak guy actually kind of detracts from the film. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's a little too cute. Mm-hmm. Um, they just have this tense as fuck conversation yeah. and it's so I do have a couple lines written down where well, I, I don't I don't know how far how far into it he is but like Victor's being all coy yeah about like he's like oh let's have a drink and you like the scotch I'll send you some scotch I'll send you some scotch Tom Cruise is like no 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 he's like alright well uh, we gotta talk about something it's a little awkward and fesses up that he knows Tom Cruise was there yeah at the at the orgy place and he's basically like, you know, you don't know who you're fucking with kind of thing. And then there's the, the line that I like. So he goes, suppose I told you what you saw was fate, a charade. And Tom Cruise responds, why would they do that? And he goes, to scare the living shit out of you. Yeah. Which I kind of like, but also 
that's not a real answer. Well, that's just yeah, more subterfuge. Exactly. Which I like. Yeah, so I, here's the thing. So Tom. Yeah. So Tom Cruise. He tells Tom Cruise that like I know you were there. Or whatever. These are high level people you're at. You, you know you're dealing with. Which I like. Again, here's Tom Cruise being all transactional. Here's being like showing. Here's my doctor badge. I'm I'm a high society guy. The fuck you are. You are a servant still, dude. Like the the elite elite still have power yeah. over you. Like the fact that he's whisked away at Ziegler's party the same way that the that the uh, piano player is. Like you're still a peon to these people, which I like that element to it. Oh, totally. Yeah. And uh, but then Tom, you know, he has this back and forth about Tom Cruise is, is like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, I know. Come on. Hey. So there. And then Tom Cruise shows him the article of the dead beauty queen. It's like they they killed her. And he's like, no, no, you know, she was a dead end herself. She's the same woman that OD'd my and at my party. You said she was going to end up this way. Obviously, this was the case. And then it's all because Kubrick. I mean, this is so ambiguous. So I think it could be done either way. But but he says like, OK. Basically, he says, suppose I told you that this was all for show, that this was all for your yeah, benefit, yeah, that, was like, uh, that it's all done in this way that he is like, is, is that actually what happened? Or is he just trying to assuage Tom Cruise? The threats maybe aren't working as much as he would like, but he's also, you know, the threats are still there, but maybe he's trying to say, hey, no, it's all fine. Like, this is just, this is unrelated to that. Don't worry about that. But still don't fucking say anything. Yeah. Well, I, that's, I think there's a lot of layering going on here. Because mm-hmm. uh, going back to how overdramatic and obviously obviously play acted that the orgy was. Because when you go back, when he says, what, what, what would, I, would you believe me if I told you this was all play acted? And you go back to that scene where, where the, the model with the feather yeah. head is standing framed in the archway going like, stop, I shall take his place for him. And it's like this kind of uh, over highfalutin accented, like choppy dialogue shit. We're like, Oh, that's that's it. This was play acting. Now, whether or not she still got murdered afterwards, we're still dealing with creepy fucking orgy Illuminati weirdos. Right. But still, there is a level of whether or not she knew or not, she was still playing a role and had scripted lines. And I like that because, like, it's layer upon layer of, like, there actually is no way to unpack what the reality right. is. Yeah. Because, I mean, this whole thing is very theatrical and ridiculous anyway. So maybe if you wanted to actually get someone out of trouble, you had to read this stupid dialogue. You know what I mean? Like that was the, that was like what you had to do. The, those were the, the litany of lines you had to say to, in order to take on that role. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that as, as, as ridiculous as it was, that's actually built into the whole thing. You know what I mean? Like, no, no, totally. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. it's, yeah. Like if you ever watch that, um, uh, you ever see the video of the cremation of care ceremony at the Bohemian Grove? No, but yes, but I mean, like, this is exactly that's, that's that. same thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it's it's just because it's it's this grandiose future, like, and today we burn in effigy all various problems of blah, 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 high yeah. nonsense. And it's just, it's, it's stilted, but it's still the richest people in the world having an orgy and mm-hmm. worshiping in an owl. It doesn't matter if it's stilted, weird, like, yeah, so there's this kind of layer, anyway, so I, I, I like how that kind of came back on itself with this talk. That scene should just be a masterclass. And this is the only time in the movie I wish there was a better actor in the Tom Cruise role. Because mm. I think that scene could be better with somebody with a little bit more depth to their acting. See, but here's the thing. See, I think Tom Cruise did such a phenomenal job. I think Tom Cruise did his best when he plays kind of a jerk. His character is really such like an empty vessel. Like he's he's a piece of shit. Tom Cruise even said like, I hated playing this guy. I couldn't. And it wasn't like, it wasn't the experience. He's like, I just didn't like playing this guy. I would never have turned this down. This is important for me to do this, but just, I, this guy sucks. Yeah. And yeah, he does. And I think it's him struggling to like have human emotions 
not Tom Cruise, this character. No, I, I, I got it. I just, I, I, I think it could have been done better. Oh, I disagree. I mean, yeah, yeah sure. But I love the Maybe, scene. But just, I just think yeah, Tom yeah. Cruise did a great job. Yeah, I, I, I that scene's fantastic. It's mm-hmm. far and away the best of the movie. And it's like yeah. 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great. It's just it's one of those things where like, it seems like in an alternate universe, people talk about that scene and be like, yeah, it's not a great movie, but those two actors put out a master yeah. class where it's like, yeah, it was very good, but like it was again. Mm-hmm. What I said about the whole movie, where it's it's like this, it's half a skip away from being like this was a masterpiece of masterpieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tom Cruise kind of acquiesces, and he's like, "Hey, you know, hey, this happens. Like life goes on until it doesn't, but you know that very well." And like, kind of gives this sort of like threatening massage to his yeah. shoulders. But also, it just stopping here. I know he's not the head of the toppity top, mm-hmm. but he's a very successful doctor. He has money. Yeah. He's friends with people that are high up. Yeah. Why at no point did they just invite him to join? Oh, because that's a whole different level. Like that's a whole different level. No, no, level. I get that it's a whole different level, but it's just, it seems to be the more expedient solution to their problem. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. But like, no, he doesn't, he doesn't have the breeding or the right. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess you know. so. But it yeah, just seems I mean, like, that's all but, it is. I mean, but they're hanging out with them. I mean. Yeah, in this in this capacity. Yeah, I guess but you're like right, for the yeah. real capacity. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I guess it's you're the right, same yeah. way. I don't invite you to my orgies because you don't have you have too many teeth. Yes, that's the reason that yes. I don't go to your orgies. Yes, that reason that you just preferred is is the reason that I do not go to your orgies. Yep. Uh, yeah. So he goes home and. I'm going to say drinks a Budweiser in the most masculine well, way any human being has ever drank one. Here, here's the thing. Well, there's two things about that. First of all, <laughs> that sort of, I, I think that was an interesting little character thing with him where it sort of shows how not on their level he is. He's drinking beer. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that, that like uh, Victor Ziegler offers him like a case of the finest scotch. He's like, no, no, no. Not because he doesn't want, you know, he's like, I don't like scotch or anything like that. But just like his drink of choice, beer. He's too lowbrow for these people. But also the way this thing, you, when he goes home, the first thing you see is his mask on the pillow of his bed. Yeah. There's all kinds of readings into this. But before we get to that, I I will say, I like that you see that before it's him in the home. Because, because you see, like you see it, that's the first thing you see. And then you see him come in and hang out and have a drink and then go into the bedroom. And it adds a level of tension to that scene. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, shit, like, what's going to happen? Because there's no indication that Nicole Kidman put it there, that the weird sex cult put it there, or that it's even there at all. That he, or if it, or if it's just a representation of his guilt about, about his whole experience. See, I'm such a literal movie watcher in a lot of ways where I, to me, that's the cult put it there. Like, it's, it's reasonably clear. But I mean, that's, I'm, I'm so literal. Cause like this movie I decided wasn't a dream. Like there's dreamlike quality yes. to it and it's meant that way. But I think, I, I don't know. It just seems like too hallucinatory to have that actual, you know. I, I agree, yeah. but I like that the movie is ambiguous enough that that is an option. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. And yeah. not a ridiculous option. I, I more read it as like the option could be either she put it there, they put it there. Or in some, he's more fucked up than we thought he put it there. But, but I, I, to, to I, me, I don't like the imaginary hallucinatory I, aspect. Agreed. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it, it does make sense in a certain reading. But yeah. agreed that I don't necessarily like that. But her putting it there, to me, doesn't make any sense. Because what about a mask that you find be like, what what the fuck is this? 
this is clearly orgy stuff. You know, you'd be like, what, what's this? You'd leave it somewhere and be like, oh yeah, what's this mask about? Her, mm. her leaving it on the, on the pillow seems more accusatory than I think it would be. Yeah, you know I, mean, I mean, I don't, I, I don't read, my <laughs> read is just, it's, it's meant to be a threat. That's, I think literally. No, I, th- yeah, I yeah. think I'm, I'm saying that, I think that yeah. supports that, that it's, that it's the weird cult his somehow. Yeah. Done or whatever. Point is, he sees it there, starts kind of crying, and she wakes up and he's like, I'll tell you everything. And I love this. And, and there's there's many movies that have done this sort of thing, but I always love this in a movie where it's like, you don't see that moment. No, you I'm see glad the we aftermath. Don't. The yeah. Immediately, it's this close bottom Nicole Kidman's face. She's been crying. Yeah, she's red eyed as fuck. I think that's a beautiful yeah. shot. Yeah, uh, it looks so nice. There's this confusion there. And then they have to go Christmas shopping with yes. their kid, which I just think is. A beautiful payoff to the this whole movie having Christmas overtones. Well, there's, where it's, there's also no indication of what exactly he told her. You know, he said, I'll tell you everything, but like, you don't know what that means. And I like that. I like that you yeah. don't know that, that ambiguity in terms of he's like, I went to an orgy and they threatened my life. Or if it was just like, I tried to make some moves on a prostitute. Yeah. Was it, was it just the overall, like, here's, here's the emotions I had about it that I'm confessing to you. Like, uh, who was it? Uh, the the evangelist in the eighties, like I have sinned in my heart, yeah. like, crying. If it was that, or if it was like a point by point, and then I saw Nick Nightingale, and he gave me fidelity, yeah, yeah. and then I went and uh, bought a mask. Yeah, and then there was this one lady, and I think I recognized her from her tits. I'm not yeah. sure because she had a freckle, and the other lady, I'm not sure, had a freckle. So, but I mean, her nipples were so similar. No, no, honey, I'm talking about her nipples. You just sit there for a minute. Uh, <laughs> so they go shopping with their kid. There is all kinds of symbolism in this, in terms of the the items the kid is into. There's like there's a baby carriage apparently that uh, there's a baby carriage in front of uh, Domino's apartment, and in the oh, there uh, is yeah that's true and then like the Barbie doll she she picks is all in the um like the the angel wings that the kid was wearing when they leave with the babysitter, and it can be taken as this idea that they're sort of grooming unwill unwittingly perhaps grooming the child to be in the same position that Cole Kidman is in that that women are sort of this trophy ah. sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I maybe, he, I mean, I'm sure he seeded that, but I mean, I think that's, I, I think that's looking way too hard. Again, yeah, yeah. But, it's, but it's, but it's Stanley Kubrick, and that's, yeah. you know, and I, I fully, you know, it's, it's the same way that people are be like, oh, David Lynch is just being weird to be weird, and I don't necessarily think that's true. I don't think he necessarily goes into something with a plan of like it's going to be this. Yeah. But Stanley Kubrick, I think, for as much time as he puts into pre-production, because he's had movies that he's worked really hard on and then shelved. Leon Vitale, uh, I got to see him speak at the Hollywood Theater, and he told the story about the Aryan Papers, which is a movie that uh, Stanley Kubrick really wanted to do and worked really hard on. They did like a, a at least a year of pre-production on it. Then Schindler's List came out, and he was like, "Well, nope, that's done. Yeah, we don't." Well, need like this. famously his Napoleon film, yeah, which he he did for like ten years. Yeah. He did research, and then just it never happened. Yeah, yeah so it's that kind of stuff. So yeah. I think I mean the guy has intentions, uh, but I also like that he he even said like in an interview about two thousand one. I don't want to spell out exactly what happened because I don't want to make people feel stupid like they missed something. I want you to fi- to figure it out for yourself. Yeah. You to have the reaction, and that's what I want. And I and I and I like that about him. So, this is the other part that I I think I objectively don't like about the film, and and it it ends on way too much of a button. So that I wrote down some of the dialogue in the last little thing mm-hmm. where um, he says, "Well, what do we do now?" Blah blah blah. Maybe, and she goes, "Well, maybe this is uh, Nicole Kidman as Allison." Uh, maybe I think we should be grateful that we've managed to survive through our adventures, whether they were real or only a dream. And then she says, I don't think the reality of one night or a lifetime can be the whole truth. And no, and then he says, no dream is only a dream. And uh, and she responds with, the good thing is we're awake now. Mm-hmm. Which is like, oh, this is getting really fucking ham. Like, it's just so on the nose. But then he goes, uh, 
well, we're going to be together forever. And she goes, forever, let's not use that word. It frightens me. Yeah. And I was like, it's like, oh, this is so... And then there's something we need to do as soon as possible. Fuck. A film by Stanley Kubrick. Yes. Which I like that last line because that actually fits the like kind of the tone of the movie. But that whole like, do you get the point of this film? But see, I I like it because it it, it mirrors again like the 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 Sandor Savos thing where he's like marriage is this shared delusion, and they're basically agreeing to that. They're like, mm. she wants to she basically wants him to admit that he's capable of having these thoughts outside of marriage that these desires. And and whatever, but he doesn't want to admit that because it would be you know, the way he posits it to her that it would be like infidelity to even think such a thing because yeah. it would hurt her rather than him being a human being and wanting to do that. When he actually acts on it, yeah, she's upset about it, but she's still also like, and he's like, nope, we're together forever. She's like, let's come on, really, like let's be real, yeah. we're adults, let's be realistic about this. And then yeah, that the, that her solution is like, well, let's just bang. It was all of this just this weird kinky thing for them. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, is that all they're taking from this? Which I, I like. That's why I like that last line. But the, the whole dream stuff is just a little too expository for being the last scene. The bu- It's just a little too like, and we're just wrapping this up with a big old bow. But that's it's almost movie beans. I, I, I get it. But it's almost like ironic to me, like the way they're talking about it, mm-hmm. like that it's that in the face of everything else, they're trying to be like, but we came through it together. Not really. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't feel like. Yeah. The relationship is saved. They're just like. All right, let's use this to have some like, yeah. like sort of makeup sex, but nothing is solved. No, I'm not saying what she's saying is true about their relationship. I'm just saying like her restating the themes of the film in a in a small like monologue is a, oh. is a little awkward. Ah, that didn't yeah. bother me. I guess I just I just I think he's he's a lighter touch than that. Like Stanley Kubrick is a lighter mm. touch than that. I just it's a little like it's almost like if at the end of uh, uh, Clockwork Orange because I was cured, all right, and by cured I mean right. I'm actually back to my original violent self because that's my true nature. You see, my true nature, it's like, right. it's a little too, like, I, that's why I like, there's something we need to but do But I was ready, because I was wearing a full metal jacket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there, there's something we need to do as soon as possible. Fuck. I like that. That's almost like a clockwork orange ending, yeah. where it's just like, what is, I mean, does that mean that they learned something? Does yeah. that mean they learned nothing? Does that mean maybe they just gone over their marital, like, maybe she's just into fucking again? Like, that's... That's yeah. cool, but that whole like, but then really, you know, the dream metaphor. And by the way, you know that movie, The Shining. Well, it turns out that's a metaphor, right? For, you know, like yeah. it's still a little too, yeah. But, but I, I, I enjoyed it, and yeah, I, I, no, no, I really like this movie. It's just it, it's a, sh- it's a fucking shade away yeah. from a masterpiece. And that's I, what I kills put, me. yeah, I put this, not having seen his entire catalog, I, I put this between like two thousand one being my absolute favorite, and Full Metal Jacket, still liking but being my least favorite. I, I put this sort of in the middle between those two. Full Metal Jacket, your least favorite. I, I'm Full guessing Metal you're, you're not counting favorite. Spartacus or Ben-Hur or whatever the hell one he did. Uh, Barry Lyndon. Well, yeah, no, I, I have not seen Spartacus or Barry Lyndon. Okay, uh, Barry. Okay, so of the good ones, because I'm cutting off uh, Spartacus. That was Spartacus they did, right? I guess yep. Spartacus and Ben-Hur are confused. Um, he even says it's terrible. Like, I, yeah. after that, the movies that are the Kubrick movies. Yeah, like I just watched Path of, Paths of Glory for the first yeah. time. So uh, I think I think I enjoyed it. I think objectively the most boring is Barry Lyndon. Okay, it's beautiful. Sure, like, there's nothing fucking happens. I mean, it's a, it's a movie of nothing. I think it's better than Paths of Glory. It's better than Lolita. Better than Full Metal Jacket, only because the second half of Full Metal Jacket yes. kind of falls apart. Yep. I think I'd kind of leave it about there because I think I like Clockwork better. I definitely like 2001 oh, better. Sure. I like the. Sh- I might like this better than The Shining. All right, so John, uh, for next episode, we are going to revisit 
our friends, the Wachowskis, yes, uh, of of Speed Racer fame, because mm-hmm. that's that's obviously what they're known for. Uh, best. They should be. Uh, that was the only Wachowskis we've done so far. We've right? done, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yes, we are going to revisit uh, Wachowski Land to do Jupiter Ascending. Yes, from a, a cinematic masterpiece, Eyes Wide Shut, to another cinematic masterpiece of a different kind. Yes, Jupiter I, Ascending. Yeah, so here, uh, who's the lead of those? Channing Tatum or something Ch- yeah, like that? Yeah, C. Tates. Ha- yeah, has like has like uh, rocket-powered inline skates or sure, something. Sure, why shit. not? Yes. So, I don't know. I know very little about this movie, that's all and I, I know, want to know. And that Mila Kunis is in it. That's, sure. And I, and I think he's part monkey. I think this has got all the ingredients for a good time. What I'm looking forward to is that between this, Valerian, and Interstellar, I got the angriest at Interstellar. Because <laughs> I, mean, I guarantee I will be the most angry at Interstellar. Yeah, I mean, we can find another movie for you to get angry at. I'm sure <laughs> It'll it's happen. easy enough. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so do that. Uh, everybody home, make sure to rate, review, subscribe on wherever the hell you find the podcast. Yeah, and thanks to everyone who's been reaching out on the Facebook page. That's awesome to hear from you. Yes. Uh, whether, whether you're correcting us for being idiots, which you're always welcome to do, or just uh, saying nice things. Yeah, it's very true, but just try to correct John more often. Just say. Yeah, or Alex, you know, the more wrong guy. Yeah, no, John, correct him more often because I'm just saying, you know, know, I I mean, statistically, I've been more right. I mean, except for your stance on all the movies, yeah. Share the episodes on Facebook and your favorite social media because that's the only way new people will find the show. Yeah, thanks for folks who've been doing that. I don't know if you notice, but we're not famous. And yeah. no one's ever going to hear about the show unless you share it with your friends and maybe one of them will like it. And if they don't, uh, you can, you know, it's a good excuse to, uh, unfollow them. Cause I, you know, it's not like you're really talking to them anyway. Oh, uh, uh speaking of, uh, excising people, uh, and cults going back to earlier in the episode, Stanley Kubrick's daughter got into Scientology, cut off contact with them. Like during the making of this no movie. No shit. Yeah. Oh, that's upsetting. Yeah. Well, anyway. Tidbits. Yay. Tidbits. All right. So, uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.